VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the game, the podcast that always picks a team to win, whoever the opposition is. Today I'm joined by Alison Rudd, Patty Barkley, and from the great northeast of England, the man with five cats, it's George Culkin. Later on we'll be discussing football men versus businessmen in the boardroom, but uh, let's start with the action from the weekend. Now, we're going to start at Anfield, and I want to say something clearly now in Sir Alex's defense before we start. In a match of the day when all giggly, oh, the biggest biggest game in the world, eh? Ha, ha, ha. And like, oh, look, ha, ha, ha. You know, he's losing it. Um, I looked through all his quotes. I couldn't find him actually saying that Liverpool against Manchester United was the biggest game in the world. All I found was him saying it's the biggest game in the, in the English calendar, which... I think you'd have to be kind of mad to argue that it's not. Has anybody actually heard the man? Uh, the biggest game in uh, English. Uh, no, no. I mean, to clear that up, I never heard him say that. But besides, why would you listen? I mean, the biggest match in the world is quite obviously Real Madrid against Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Even when they play a preseason friendly, it's the biggest. It, it feels like bigger than the World Cup. So, I mean, you couldn't compare any England game with Real Madrid-Barcelona. Okay, so nobody here actually heard him ever say that, right? No, no, no they so didn't. So what, what, why did we just kind of take it as read? Is it a case that, like, you know, we, somebody somebody mentions some untruth and then we just go on and on with it? Well, if, it if, sounds good. <laughs> like, oh, look, Fergie's gone mad. He said it's bigger than Barca Real Madrid. Is that, is that what we're doing? If he says it's the biggest game in the English calendar, then right. people in football who, who promote football and screen football automatically assume that means the world because we're very self-centered aren't we there you go yeah i mean but it's okay i mean more when in doubt i mean let's the the, uh, certainly i mean uh, i'm sure ferguson would never be deliberately mischievous but i mean he's got a much bigger game coming up this sunday than he had last saturday that's for sure Certainly does. Now, uh, George, um, the, the game, um, obviously, it, it finished 1-1. Um, what struck me, most of all, was what I thought was it was a really bizarre lineup, uh, especially after you've you've sort of bigged up the match so much. Um, you, you go out there and you play without your best player, without last season's top goal scorer, but of course we're, we're sort of used to that, without the guy who was probably your best performance last year, without Valencia who made it seem as if, you know, last year when he got injured it made it seem like, like, like the sky was was falling, uh, without Vidic who was fit enough to play 90 minutes uh, last week, um, or 90 minutes for Serbia midweek I should say, and without uh, Hernandez. Um, we're all for rotation, but were you somewhat miffed? 
Well, I suppose it's the, I mean, you know, it's the difference between what Ferguson allegedly did or did not say about the, the game, and, and that's about the emotion of the game, I suppose, as opposed to perhaps the, the place it has in terms of, you know, the league and who's going to win the title. I mean, because as you say, next um, next next Sunday's games against Man City is is far more pivotal to that, and of course they've got the Champions League um, in in midweek, so there has to be a sort of form of rotation. Mancini, I was at, I was at Man City, and Mancini did something similar. It's not the same kind of game, but um, you know he took lots of players out of the firing line to sort of prepare for the week ahead. So I think yes, maybe that game is is huge in terms of the emotion, in terms of the history and tradition, and the, um, the sort of dislike between between the two clubs. But in terms of what it actually means at the top of the table, it's a different matter. Uh, Paddy, you, you, you followed um, Sir Alex uh, just a little bit. You might have yep. even written a book or two about him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Football Bloody Hell by, yeah. by, uh, by Paddy Barkley. There Thank you go. You There's your plug. Um, but on the back of what George says, though, it, mm. normally when, when you rotate, you, you know, the conventional way of doing it is to play your best players, the ones who can give you a chance to win mm. you know, on the Saturday. Then on, on Tuesday, you're playing a team from Romania, Otolu Galati, who, you know, yes, United didn't start very well, but you would think that uh, if you are going to rotate, that's the time to do it, and then you get the guys back fresh again for the weekend. Well, I agree, but, um, I mean, Ferguson's the best rotator. Uh, I think he's the best coach in the world at... uh uh, changing his team you know at uh, rotating um, so that's that's the first thing that's got to be said he understood squad rotation before any other coach in the world in my opinion um, but uh, that said I thought Saturday's selection was all about fear of Liverpool um, I mean often last season when they won the title Manchester United played without a holding one holding midfield player on Saturday they played two and I think that was out of uh, respect for Liverpool I think he was you might even say four if you include Giggs and Park given what they did well given given their, their role in the team it was it was a very defensive selection but uh, the result um, uh, against uh, you know a Liverpool team who are strong at home I think the result bore it out I think uh, I think that was that was pretty a pretty good score and uh, I mean it was interesting that he should that he played I mean, Phil Jones, could, could you imagine buying a teenage boy and playing him in three different positions in four games uh, for, for, for your team? You know, I mean, starting that, him in three that, different positions. Starting yeah. him in three different positions. I mean, that's a remarkable tribute to him. I thought, yeah, I think you saw that he's raw technically um, in, in, in midfield. I, I don't think, I, I really, I think this is, it's, this Phil Jones or he is getting a wee bit out of hand. He's You're very, the Duncan Edwards bandwagon. <laughs> don't even mention those two words in the context of Phil Jones. But um, uh, anyway, I think, I think that, that, that tactically it was borne out by, by playing a, um, what was a defensive lineup and, and getting a, a decent result. Well, it was pragmatic, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, they've yeah. lost, they've, he'd lost three games on the spin at Anfield. I think he thought. People say that, but do you really no, think it I goes think into. I line, think he like thought, what happened three years ago when he had a different set of players uh, and, and Rafa no, Benitez not, was there differently. Not, not on that minute eye, but I think he knows he knows Liverpool lift, lift their game for against Man United at Anfield. He knows it's a completely it's in a bubble. It's in a bubble, and he he just thought, well, let's just. I think he was going for the draw. I think he got what he went for actually, yeah. and so, he'd, he'd probably be really chuffed. I think the interesting, the really interesting bit about the selection is is keeping Rooney on the bench for so long because. 
I, I agree with Paddy. You can't argue with the genius of Ferguson. And I just wonder if Ferguson mm. is one person in the country who doesn't rate Rooney quite as highly as most of us. Okay, then, then, well, I'd respectfully say he'd be wrong if he doesn't rate him highly, but that's just me. Um, Alison, I want to get you on, on Liverpool because um, Stephen Gerrard came back. Some of us were wondering about how he'd fit in, and we saw that at least for this game, the way he fits in is Jordan Henderson goes out and Andy Carroll stays on the bench. Um, what did you make of it? And is this something we're going to see again, or is he is Kenny going to rejigger it to, to find sort of the right balance for Gerard? Um, I don't. I don't think it's about the right balance for Ger- for Gerard. I don't. I thought when they signed Charlie Adam, there was a feeling that Charlie Adam might sort of slowly disappear as Gerard came back to full fitness. I think. I think what it showed on Saturday was that uh, Charlie Adam and Steve and Gerard can play together, and. It, it, if anything, it, it probably that was one of the best games Charlie Adams had. I thought he was man of the match. I thought he was absolutely superb. Was. And I think they they complement each other very well. I don't I don't think Andy Carroll not being on the pitch had very much to do with Stephen Gerrard actually. Um, Paddy, would you like to express yeah. a view on the balance and what Liverpool yeah. might look the, like? The thing about Andy Carroll is uh, he will. Uh, he will figure because Suarez is about to hit the wall. It's in, it's inevitable. There are certain players who can play year round. Cristiano Ronaldo is the best example I've ever come across. But uh, I, I think it is it is very difficult. He's had a, a hard. Uh, he's joined a, a new club and been fantastically successful. Put in tremendous energy. Um, he's uh, played all th- played more or less all through the summer. I doubt if he's even had a fortnight's holiday um, because of the Cop- Copa America. And um, so should did you, did, you, did you see signs that he was tiring yes. on Saturday? Because yes. I, I there were moments yeah. when I thought, oh, I, I was expecting him to just explode, and he didn't. You know that you know the turn actually the 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 shimmy in the box and the shot. I mean that was. <laughs> it was in, in a way. It was. I mean, it wasn't as difficult a save as as all of as all of that. I mean, I, I just. It's difficult because he set such a high standard, Suarez. But what with the getting involved with Evra, um, and I don't know about the details of that. But we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Okay, um, but getting involved with Evra, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's a high octane player, as we saw even in the World Cup, uh, where he, he got into controversy there. But it, it 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 will happen. He will have to be left out for his own good, or he'll get an injury. Um, so and. Then then Carroll will certainly come into his own. George, I'm trying to get um, these these sort of soft London-based uh, uh, biased Southern scribes to uh, uh, talk about Andy Carroll. Instead, one of them talks about Gerard in her answer, and the other one goes on and on about <laughs> about Luis Suarez. Can you give me some Carroll? And I want to know against this crummy um, uh, Liverpool, uh, sorry, Manchester United defense uh, with with Rio Ferdinand, who's clearly not not himself right now, with Johnny Evans. Might that have been something that that uh, uh, Leash might have might have turned to. He only made one substitution in the game. That was Henderson. I, I'm, and it's, it's from what you've seen of, of, of the guys. Is he bound to get annoyed at some point that that he's not playing? Um, I mean, possibly. I mean, for, obviously, he's you know he's a timeside he's a timeside lad. So, and with timeside being timeside, I still get to sort of hear quite a lot about uh, about him and, and what he's doing and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, it's fair to say that Liverpool haven't got the best out of him. But I think it's also fair to say that um, you know he's still in a position in his life where he needs to kind of get get himself 
fully focused and fully committed to. Um, you know, there's no doubt that on form he's an he's an absolute monster of a, of a, of a footballer. Um, he does in it does entail sort of building a team up. If not around him, then certainly sort of adapting to his style because of because of what he offers. I mean, there's far more to him than um, aerial ability, but that's kind of a big part of it. And I don't think Liverpool have kind of played to that strength. And I think it's also fair to say that he hasn't sort of um, he hasn't pushed himself on the scene forcefully enough. I, I mean, I actually think that Gerard coming back into the team uh, in the in, in the long run will will probably help. Um, Carol, because if if there's anybody that can kind of run on to his delivery or benefit benefit from that, it will be Carol. But I think you know he's still a work in progress, and I think he's still got to prove off the off the pitch that being a professional footballer is, is what he wants to do. Hey, Paddy, I want to ask you about the hair now because I get bombarded by people on Twitter asking yes. me, make sure you ask Paddy, what does he think of the hair now? Oh, yeah, yeah, Is he still Gomez without the shot stopping? That's exactly right. Yeah, no, he's not. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's not Gomez without the shot stopping now. I mean, his shot stopping is <laughs> absolutely superb. He's, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the, the work out. Is he winning you over, I guess? I I he, abs- yeah. Of course he is. Uh, it's an interesting thing, actually. Um, I mean, this is, the, this is what. Um, uh, football reporters do they when a chap's playing badly they express it and if he's playing well they express it I mean I can't see what the issue is here however uh, De Gea is, is an interesting thing because he's a, a part of a phenomenon which began in my opinion with uh, Fabian Bartes the goalkeepers are getting younger um, and that's not just because I'm getting older um, De Gea is a, a good example Iker Casillas was playing in the Champions League brilliantly as a teenager uh, De Gea now has looks as well on the way to proving himself at Manchester United I still feel sorry for Lindegaard who may well be just as good a keeper uh, but uh, De Gea has uh, you know, proven himself in, at the top level with Manchester United at the age of 20 um, this never happened before no. uh, in my lifetime a, I think that's a, that, that make, make a great Subject for uh, yeah. uh, for a bonus podcast yeah, yeah, soon. Sure. I might throw it. <laughs> Gigi Buffon in there too. Okay, who, who's a world champion, unlike all those people you mentioned, except for Casillas. Um, but I did get the impression that the Liverpool dressing room they thought about testing the keeper, and I think that I think that backfired slightly yeah. and I think we are, now all know that you don't go into a stage. game against Man United thinking oh, all we have to do is test it, the keeper all we have to do is shoot from the halfway line it's only Jared's allowed to do that now um, I wanted to go on to, to the other uh, incident um, that, that's been drawing a lot of attention um, unlike no I won't say that I want to go on to the other incident that's been uh, drawing a, a lot of attention. Uh, the FA uh, have opened um, or, or are making an inquiry into uh, the accusations that uh, Patrice Evra label, uh, leveled at, um, at Luis Suarez on Saturday on uh, um, on French television. This was then repeated to the referee, Andre Mariner, who I presume at some point um, will be at least addressing the point in his, uh, uh, in his report. Um, George, I, I want to start with you. I, this is something that um, is, I guess you could say, is is, is rare, um, or we're giving on the impression it's rare. It's a, well, obviously, it, if it did happen, it happens too often. Um, but I'm just, how are, how can they? Um, how, how do you think the FA can can investigate this? A, a, I mean, unless a witness comes forward or Suarez admits it. Yeah, and he's already denied it uh, pretty vehemently. Um, 
it's going to be very difficult to prove. I mean, I remember the, the cases involving Emery, the, the Newcastle player, not not that long ago, actually, and um, it was extremely difficult to um, it was extremely difficult to sort of take that further. Um, you know, it's sort of difficult, really, to sort of to, you know to to kind of comment to comment on on this case while while it's, it's sort of going on. But um, yeah, I, I, I think they'll find it. I think they'll find it very difficult. Um, Evera has obviously been fairly outspoken already in what he said, so I presume that he'll, you know, that he'll kind of give further evidence, and then they'll have to take it from there. But if it's between two people on a football pitch and there's no uh, evidence, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure TV footage will be looked at, but um, it's going to be very difficult to push it. Uh, we we have to move on to uh, Newcastle and Spurs on uh, on Sunday. Um, Allison, you're probably Harry's biggest fan here, so I want to um, I, I want to start with this. Are you surprised? He's, you know, we talk about people playing guys in the right positions or, or versus people getting creative and the whole inverted winger and whatever else. He starts the game with Gareth Bale on the right wing and uh, Luka Modric wide left. Is, is this a salute? It obviously didn't work very well on the day, but no. Well, I I, I think this is probably all about. A manager thinking, oh, well, they've got a really, um, Ryan Taylor, really inexperienced left back. That's a real problem area for Newcastle. Let's go at it. And um, so he puts he puts Bale on the right to do that. Um, I don't I don't think when you're Spurs and you're doing as well generally as Spurs are, you should think that way. I think that backfired horribly, actually. Ryan Taylor did very, very well. I mean, there was a point at which I was thinking, is he... Is he actually a left back? I, I mean, wouldn't well, I have noticed that he's a left back? He really seems to be playing rather well in that position. Uh, and all it did was was nullify the threat of Modric. Bale, Bale didn't really, you know. I think Bale was expecting to get more out of the game than he did, and I think that did didn't do his confidence much good. Mm. So, I mean, I I am assuming that was the logic behind it, and I I think it did backfire uh, slightly. I don't think you go to somewhere like Newcastle and. I mean, it's a big compliment to the way Newcastle have started this season. But I don't think if you're Spurs, you go there and you 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 try and meddle with what you're very good at just to, to exploit what are the perceived weaknesses there. George, can you clear this up for us? I mean, I, I appreciate you know Ryan Taylor isn't um, you know Stuart Pearce and Paolo Maldini rolled into one, but um, if I remember correctly, the guy is a left-sided player, yeah. um, and he has to play a little bit further back and no, be a little no. more defensive. I mean, why is all of a sudden it makes it seem as if he's some kind of mannequin out there on the pitch? Well, no, but Allison's exactly right. I mean, Pardew said that afterwards as well. I mean, he 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 thought that was that was exactly what what that was about. Tottenham targeting what they viewed to be a weak link. I mean, I, I think that's a fair enough. I think that's a fair enough tactic if that's what they want to do. But um, you know, Ryan Taylor isn't a left back. Um, if Pardew had got his way, and I don't mean this to be kind of negative, but you know, if, if Pardew and most people had got their way, he wouldn't. Ryan Taylor wouldn't have started the season. But you know, he has done very well. He's been part of a you know part of a very solid back five, and um, you know, looks looks good. And it was another little feather in his in his cap that that Bale had to move back across. Um, you know, back across on the on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Gareth Bale is the most dangerous direct left-sided player, one of the most dangerous in the world. So why play him on the right? In fact, I should point out that, in fairness to Ryan Taylor, that he's actually played he's, he's played on the right side for most of his. Uh, you know, for most of his career, yeah. and that's that's why no, he resigned. See, that's why he resigned. Why, why I was asking, George, is is that because I can see the point. I can remember, just trying to think who it was, um, played against Ashley Cole played uh, a left-sided right winger against Ashley Cole because you take Ashley Cole onto his right foot 
that should embarrass him more than trying to go outside him um, and letting him nick the ball off you with his left. I, I can see the point in that. But in the case of Ryan Taylor, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't seem to add up. Uh, George, uh, you, you were at the game um, dramatically equalizer for Newcastle. I, I, I I thought it was. Uh, I thought Newcastle deserved it, um, but what what I think is interesting is you know when we talk about where the how they can do this season um, and whether they'll just sort of naturally move back down to mid table. One thing that strikes me is they've started just fourteen ga- uh, different players this season. Um, is this a case of, of, of Pardew overachieving, or is there more to come? Or are there guys who maybe haven't featured, uh, like um, haven't featured much, like Ben Arfa, who can who can come in and, um, and 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 provide a lift when some of these guys start to flag? Yeah, well, I thought I thought when Ben Arfa came on yesterday, there was immediately sort of another dimension to the way to the way they play. I mean, it wasn't sort of that he did did a great deal, but you can just immediately see that he's giving Tottenham something completely different to think about. And as you know, we have to remember that he's been out for a year or so so as he comes back to as he comes back the train is now approaching junction at platform passengers airport please stay on board next stop road station ios helps you control which apps you share your exact location with there's more to iphone when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To, you know, the four, I think he will, he will add something very different. I mean, I think you just have to, at this stage, you just have to sort of take a step back and say, well done to, to Pardew and say, well done to the, uh, well done to the team. There was... You know, a bit of chaos hanging around over the summer. We shouldn't forget that. Joey Barton, players getting legal letters about Twitter, questioning the transfer policy, so on and so forth. Um, Not getting a striker over the line before the transfer deadline. And, you know, here they are, fourth on the table, playing really well and full of full of confidence and some of that has been an organic process starting the season well going to Sunderland and winning and that's you know that's just massive massive up here and it's you know I think Sunderland has suffered in the same way that Newcastle have prospered from 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 that game but um, you know I think it's also it's also right to say that Alan Pardew is is a good manager and has managed them very very well he's had a bit of chance now to work on the defence they look very solid yesterday is probably not the best example of that but um, generally speaking they do and taking out people like Joey Barton Kevin Nolan Jose Enrique whilst sort of painful for a lot of people at the time has allowed new players to come in express themselves more breathe breathe deeply and you know we've got something else 
um, developing here. Whether it can last, I'm, I'm sure no Newcastle fans fan um, expects them to stay to stay where they are. But they're playing some really good stuff and. I was sort of said at the end of the game yesterday to a couple of kind of colleagues, well, you know, it's actually enjoyable to come and watch football at St James's Park at the moment, and it hasn't always been the case in recent seasons. So, you know, well done to them, and long may it continue. Two things on on Pardew. I think I've been saying he's an, a, a potentially an excellent manager ever since he was at West Ham, where I thought he did a tremendous job. Um, and uh, that, that's one thing. Two things. Uh, the other thing about the about the rise of Newcastle. I mean, looking at their team list yesterday, you thought, yes, 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 yes. It's so familiar. It the, and the way that. Um, allegedly better endowed clubs uh, change their team all the time <coughs> actually helps uh, small small squads um, Fulham come to mind uh, they did the same thing under Roy Hodgson the season before last for 442 um which is not bad you know it's not it's not completely discredited despite what people say in an england context 442 same team same team same team and it does provide it does actually give you an edge against supposedly well endowed teams who change change the tactics and their personnel all the time where did, but where do they get that, that audacious spirit from i mean I yeah, that, that sort of open-ended question we'll have to get George back on for uh, to ask. I was hoping to ask a Ledley King question because I'm getting a, a nasty look from my producer. So I will, oh, Alison, you get it. It's going to be a very quick question, and it's very simple. Um, Harry comes out and says, Ledley King will get hurt, and you don't know when he's going to get hurt because he never trains. Um, if that's the case, does it make sense to start him and run the risk that he's just going to get crocked early in the game like he did to, at the weekend, and then you just have to replace him and you lose a substitution? No, it, I... I don't. I mean, it, it sounds so cruel. It sounds pasture? sounds cruel. Well, he, I think if the, the lad cannot train, he's he's. He, it's going to happen. I, I, I'm it's going to happen. I've just never heard this. No, no, he cannot no. train, but he can play. It just seems. I don't know. It just seems. Uh, it's been going on too Twilight long. Time. It's been going on too long, and I. I just. I mean, it's, I, I don't. I don't really want to say it. it. Sounds very cruel, but I think. I think put out to pastures the a good phrase and the right thing to do. And I think he was a great player, and I think it would be a loss to not just to Spurs but to the English game. In our debate this week, we maintain our theme from the Northeast, as we like to do when we're privileged. We have, we have the privilege of having George um, join us. We're, George, we're going to look at Sunderland. Now, I I need you to explain this to me a little bit, because, you know, to me, obviously, living in London, you, you only hear things filtered through a certain type of, uh, um, through a certain type of media. And so Niall Quinn is the Sunderland chairman. And now he gets moved to a job where he's spearheading international development. Um, I saw quotes from him where he said he was lucky uh, that uh, Ellis Short agreed to this plan. Um, So does this mean it was Niall Quinn who said, I don't want to be chairman anymore. I want to spearhead international development. Ellis, you go be chairman. Is, Is that what happened? Well, that's certainly what Niall's, Niall's saying, yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, we know that there's been a lot of rumours about, about Niall, about Sunderland this season, mainly, I think, stemming from the way things have gone on the pitch. But, um, yes, I mean, Niall, Niall had a five-year plan uh, to sort of be, you know, to, to, to stay as chairman for that long uh, when he got the job and then sort of move aside. And he has been pressing for Ellis Short to sort of engage more and more and more and more with the you know with the with the club so this is all part of that this is all part of that sort of 
uh, process. I think. So it's, it's not a demotion. It's not because Sunderland make enormous no, losses no, year not, after year and whatever. No, and Ellis no, is no, tired of, no. of of putting his money to giving his money to Bruce and Quinn. And no, that's the, not the, it. No, he's happy to keep doing it. Short, short is short is incredibly supportive of Steve Bruce. Um, you know, I keep kind of reading things, and Ellis Shaw won't be happy with the way things are going. Steve Bruce under pressure. Steve Bruce, of course, is under pressure. Um, you know, as he should be, like a, like every manager. But then that's not the kind of debate that they're that they're sort of having. It's a, it's a tight knit group, and they're and they're kind of supportive of of each other. I, I don't think Quinn moving helps matters, or you know, step, stepping to one side helps matters because he has been kind of a a real rock and a real sort of certainty over the last sort of five, six years. You know, he's somebody who's capable of sort of articulating what being Sunderland means. He's somebody um, who can, who can, you know, who can talk to supporters in a on a human and passionate level. And I think the fact that he's kind of moving into the shadows a little bit sort of will only sort of increase increase those uns- uncertainties. But they're quick to point out that. You know, Nile will still be kind of heavily involved on the football side. Will still be talking to Steve Bruce. That all so, the same people as before were making the the decisions at the club. But okay, but sorry, I'm bringing some line in here. Is this a this is a club that has lost was seventy five million pounds over the last couple of seasons? I mean, I. I, I appreciate that you know uh, that these are economic tough times and everything, but it seems to me that year after year they get by because Alice Short writes a big check at the end of the season. Yeah, but I mean, now is, is this is this the best that, that you can hope for with um, with with, with Niall Quinn and by extension Steve Bruce around? I mean, it just seems. I mean, is this a team that's punching above its weight, or is it a team that's basically right where you expect it to be given the enormous amounts of money and, and when Ellis Short decides to stop writing checks they'll roll back to, um, to to fighting to avoid relegation well I mean that's that's a question you could ask of 90% of the clubs in the Premier League well, no, sure, 90% sure. of the clubs in the Premier League don't lose all the money that Sunderland lose every year well a lot of them a lot of them, a lot of them do until the last year Newcastle were losing 30, 30 35 million quid a year it'd be interesting to know you know how much teams like Stoke are having to write off and um, you know, Sunderland have got an owner who, at the moment, is prepared to to do that, and all the, all those debts are being uh, recapitalised. So it's not kind of it's not owned back, back in big loans to to him. Short's been no, prepared that, to do no, that. No, actually, and actually, George, I, I think we should highlight that because that's really important. I mean, yeah, unlike yeah, yeah. some owners, Ellis Short writes a check to the club and it goes into equity at the end of the year. This isn't Sunderland accruing debt year no. after year like some no, owners no. I can mention. No, and that's you know that's an that's an important thing. Now, does he want to be doing that year? After year after year, no, I'm sure he doesn't. And if you look at if you look at Steve Bruce's, um, you know, tra- transfer dealings, it's it's not really fair to say that he's been given countless millions of pounds to spend because, in actual fact, he's he's brought back um, a hell of a lot, of, you know, a hell, yeah. of, a hell of a lot of money. So, um, but there's no doubt that if Sunderland want to you know, want to progress and continue to progress, they're going to have to find other revenue streams. And that's part of what Niall Quinn is doing, because if, you know, just just very briefly, I I think Newcastle, for example, I'm putting this in a northeast prism for obvious reasons, but Newcastle aren't just a Premier League club and uh, and a kind of English club. I think because of what happened under Kevin Keegan, they're seen, they're still seen as a kind of international football club. Sunderland are very much seen as a Wearside football club and a Northeast football club. That's not disrespectful to them. That's just the way things. That's just the way things have gone, and they've got to branch out and find revenue streams and find uh, people who are prepared to buy shirts in the Far East and and 
and so on and so forth. And, and that's a big part of why Niall Quinn is in the position, you know, in the position that he is. Paddy, um, well, on the back of what George said there, yeah. I mean, I, I think we can be in agreement that Sunderland aren't in this situation because of Steve Bruce overspending, although I think it's pretty obvious there was a lot of spending when Roy Keane was there. Yeah. But but that said, I mean, you know, George is talking about growing the club, finding other markets and so on. At some point, do you clash with the reality that this is a city of 280,000 people, they have a great stadium, but there's yeah. only so much you can do? And then, and that if this club is ever runs at break-even, um, you know, for all Niall Quinn's trips around the world to try to raise money, I... There is a certain reality that that Sunderland yeah. will not will never be a top four club. It's never going to have a. I mean, it, it, not in the foreseeable future can Sunderland have an international um, uh, dimension. The extraordinary thing is that it does have a regional dimension. I mean, you, as you say, a, a city of two hundred thousand people, uh, a little bit uh, <laughs> bigger than Ipswich, but a little bit like Ipswich. The people come from from not just the uh, the, the the sort of core community, but, but around and about and George would would be able to correct me if I'm wrong on that but um, despite you know the co- the competition from Middlesbrough and, and, and Newcastle but um, yeah I, I mean I cannot see you know what you do have to get now if you really want to progress is that international dimension uh, I can't see Sunderland getting it why you know why would anybody in Hong Kong want to support Sunderland I mean it's uh, but that doesn't mean that they, they can't be a big club I mean the, a big ish club but what they've done well, the great thing they've done is sort out the stadium because a lot of people a, a lot of people would love a 48,000 and by the way that was the previous regime If I'm yeah. not, correct me if I'm wrong here George I mean this wasn't um, you know Niall Quinn's friends from the, the Drummerville people those, those pub landlords and no, stuff no no named um, Patty. this was this was the much maligned Bob Murray yeah yes the guy um, who got glassed in the face in the pub for his troubles yeah well, there's, I mean, it, that's his legacy. That's his legacy to, to Sunderland, as is the training ground. I mean, and you know, they're still, they're still, they'll be making announcements in the in the in the short term about what's happening at the training ground, and they've got development around the stadium that's going to be announced soon, and they're doing that. You know, they signed they signed a, signed a Korean player over the summer. Steve Bruce, Niall Quinn, and others were in Korea. Uh, during the international break, and you know they're kind of building up, building up ties there, and it, it, it has to happen. I mean, if you if you if you compare the team between now and when they got promoted, it's unrecognisable. You know, the prospect of them being able to sign people like Wes Brown, John O'Shea, five years ago simply wasn't simply wasn't there. So they've kind of developed. I know the results haven't been very good, but they've developed in in terms of profile yeah. in England the, in that in, in that time. The only thing I would say is, is is that the team recruitment. But I disagree about recruitment policy. I think you you, you want to buy players with something to prove. Uh, you want to buy p- uh, players with uh, resale value. You want to buy players with potential. And they've bought too many people who who, who are in the comfort zone. It's the, you know the Malbrank, the te- Anton Ferdinand, the people like that. But they do need to get the character a, a of dual, the team there's right. There's a dual dynamic there though, because uh, you know the, the, the likes of Ferdinand Malbronk say Juice, they came. They did come when Sunderland were were promoted under Roy Keane, and they couldn't get the players they wanted. They had to fast track that system. They spent far too much money getting people, some of whom with dodgy characters, and then it's been difficult for them to sort of get those people back out again yeah. and start again. I think they have reached a different situation now. If you if you look at their team all the way through last season, they were for most of it they rivaled 
Arsenal and, and possibly even um, were younger, had the younger squad in the Premier League, uh, sorry, the, the, the youngest starting 11 in the Premier League last season, um, that brought them a lot of benefits, but it also brought them some, some negatives, and that's what they've addressed you know, this summer. They've also signed 11 players this summer, and it's going to take a while for them to, to bed in. But there's a, you know, there's, a, there's a kind of dual dynamic that's gone on there. One final, final thing. Uh, he lives in London, doesn't he? Alice Short. Yes, and he has done for for many years. I mean, yeah, that's, another, that's another thing. He keeps getting sort of, you know, he's, he's he's getting more involved. He's coming over to this country to sort of sort things out. Well, he's he's always been involved. He's been party to all the big decisions over the last couple of years, and is you know is based in is based in London. So have you ever seen him? Yes, I've met him. I've shaken his hand and had a chat with him in the London boardroom. Really? Is, it, is it a myth that he's incredibly private then? No, I mean, he is He is a private man. He, he won't become the new Niall Quinn. Or Mike Ashley. Um, but uh, that, that parallel is fascinating about, you know, the difference between Sunderland and Newcastle. Sunderland have had Niall Quinn to sort of smooth things over. Nobody knows anything about Ellis Short. Nobody knows very much about Mike, about Mike Ashley. But the way they presented themselves to their publics is... Um, Publics uh, to their public is, um, is is kind of contrasting, and that's been a real strength for Sunderland over the past few years. So there is a definite different outlook to that football club, whether they like it or not. All right, who's excited for some quick hits? I know Patty is. I am. Can't wait. Quick reminder, I will ask a question. You will have 25 seconds to answer. If you do not answer in the allotted time, I will come down on you very hard. Robin van Persie scores twice as Arsenal defeats uh, Sunderland, uh, rising to 10th in the table. And the Dutchman tells fans not to believe the lies in the newspapers because he's committed to the cause. But, Paddy, uh, the truth of the matter is that if he doesn't extend his contract, he becomes a free agent in June. Should van Persie be doing less talking and more signing? I think van Persie has uh, been a, a credit to himself and Arsenal um, uh, I think he's entitled to take a little bit of time. Uh, he's got the same problem as, well, a more acute version of the same problem as the rest of us with Arsenal. He just can't be sure where it's going. I think we give him until Christmas before we start accusing him of everything, anything. Wolves started the season brightly, but after the 2-0 defeat in the big derby against West Brom, uh, have now lost five in a row. George, Mick McCarthy used to work in your part of the world. What's wrong with Wolves? Uh, I've got no idea. So I asked on Twitter, and David Johnson, a Wolves fan, tells me that Wolves are too open when they play 4-4-2 and don't look like scoring when they play 4-5-1, and none of their big players are playing well. There you go. Not short and sweet. Uh, staying with uh, that match, uh, Paul Scharner displayed a T-shirt with a big West Brom crest on it. This upset both McCarthy, who complained about it after the game, and the lovable Stephen Hunt, who allegedly waited in the tunnel after the match. Allison, did Scharner break some newfangled footballer's code, of which I'm aware, or should Hunt and McCarthy chill out? I think it's rather lovely if, if your children paint you a t-shirt that you show it off um, you're going to sell for charity too that, that's even better um, No, I inter- there's an interview in the Times today with Shelley Wood who's a wheelchair racer and um, she broke her, her back when she was uh, 11 and she said she never got upset about being in a wheelchair she'd get upset about very small things in life and she realised as she got older she was she was really upset about the big thing but didn't know how to voice it and I suspect um, McCarthy and uh, Hunt are just very cross at the way Wolves are going at the moment but are focusing on a rather small thing Dr. Rudd psychoanalyzing uh, Stephen Hunt I think lots to get into there uh, Roberto Mancini dusts off his second string strike force and does rather well as Adam Johnson Mario Balotelli and James Milner all score in City's 4-1 win over Villa uh, which a win which uh, sees City go top of the table. Uh, Paddy, which of these three guys is going to play the biggest role between now and the end of the season? Uh, hard to say because they're all so different, but uh, I do feel
feel that if Mario Balotelli plays a major role in the rest of this season, then Manchester City are going to be well nigh uncatchable. He's turning into a formidable, formidable player, and uh, he could well be a champion at the end of this season. There you go, and he's proving all those haters wrong. QPR draw 1-1 at home with Blackburn, and Joey Barton has a go at Adele Trapped. He allegedly says, quote, they told me he was a genius. I haven't seen it. Uh, George, is this a case of Barton relaying some tough love uh, to his teammate, or is it Barton just being disruptive and annoying and Pratt-like? Um, well, it's Joey Barton, so it's a bit of everything. We're not talking about the most straightforward individual, talking about an individual who is also not straightforward. So um, one replaced the other as captain. This is Joey being Joey, expressing an opinion. I think there's probably some validity to his opinion, but then some of those things have also applied to himself in the past, haven't they? Uh, so they have. Chelsea break their poor run against Davy Moises Everton with a 3-1 win. Uh, Alison, you were there. Did you see anything that makes you think they can challenge for the title? Yeah, I did. I, I think they will because I think they can. Chelsea can so clearly be better than they are at the moment. Um, they are. It's curious to say it, but they seem, they do feel like a work in progress. Um, the manager wants them to to win in style. I mean that that's always the remit from from Abramovich, I suppose. But I, I do I do sense they're they're still fitting it all together and still getting the results. Um, and when that happens, and you've got the resources a club like Chelsea have got, you can. They can only get, you know, they, they can only challenge from the title from that point. When I own a football club, I'm going to order my players to win ugly with no style whatsoever. <laughs> Gab, one for you. I was going to ask you to explain the phenomenon that is Levante, but in Spain it has to be Barca. They beat Racing Santander 3-0 with Messi scoring twice, giving him 103 by my reckoning in the last 100 games at the club. Gab, would Messi score as many if he didn't play for Barcelona? Have he played for another club? Well, it depends what club it is. My guess is probably not, um, simply because you are helped by having great players around you and dominating games. What what, what is remarkable about Messi is certainly compared to Ronaldo, how few of his goals are, are the result of individual individual efforts. Um, I actually think on a bad team, I think Ronaldo would probably continue scoring as just as much. Messi would have to dial it down a little bit. A little bit. And as for Levante, well, they are a subject of an upcoming column of mine, so you can stay tuned and read all about that. I will, baby. So we've got time for this week. You can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, your web chats. Patty's is every Monday. Mine is every Tuesday. you got Ollie K at some point during the week as well. Uh, please drop in. It's worth it. And also, we've got our live show coming up. It's October 27th. You can find out about it on the website. Thanks for spending your time with us. Till next week. Bye-bye. listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iphone into lots of recyclable parts that's how apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods thanks daisy there's more to iphone when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.